This is episode 257 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life. Today's articles are The Golden Horde, Redirecting and Misdirection, and Post-Collapse Charity. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, before we get started, you can make sure that you get the Prepper Website Podcast delivered to your preferred device without fail. We make it very easy for you to subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or any other favorite podcast network. And if you do feel you are receiving value from the podcast, we do appreciate your kind reviews. All right, guys, this is the Friday podcast, so let's go ahead and jump right into it. Our first article comes to us from ModernSurvivalBlog.com. And like I said, the article is entitled The Golden Horde Redirecting and Misdirection. And so I want to make sure I say horde correctly there so it doesn't come out like something else. But uh, this is a, a good article and actually one that has a ton of comments. It has 162 comments. So a lot of people giving uh, ideas and, and uh, uh, their opinions on this one. So let's go ahead and read this one. First, who is or what is the Golden Horde? While the phrase originally came from the ancient Mongols who overran Eastern Europe in the 13th century, the prepper community uses the phrase as follows. The Golden Horde is or are the anticipated throngs of unorganized and organized individuals groups and gangs who will be out roaming, searching, and even looting and pillaging for food and supplies following a major widespread societal and infrastructural collapse without the rule of law. There's a lot of varying opinions regarding the possibilities and probabilities of a golden horde and how far or not so far they might get from any given population center. I've written a number of articles on the subject over the years. A few teasers are safer survival distances from USA city hordes and the zombie hordes distance from cities. That said, under extreme conditions of desperation, without hope of external help, some will give up as they weaken, while others will desperately extend outward on the prowl for food, supplies, and whatever they need. Still others will individually or by group take advantage of without rule of law because they are who they are. It will be a dangerous time indeed. I don't want to get into the debate about the likelihood or unlikelihood of the golden horde itself or, or how far they might get. There are a lot of variables that may affect this including population density, regional, geographical, and other factors. However, let's assume for this topic of discussion that there are hordes of varying numbers who are prowling for supplies in your region. The question is, how might the golden horde be misdirected or redirected so as to lessen your chances of an encounter or being overrun and pillaged? And let me preface this by saying, I hope this type of situation never happens. Efforts to avoid the golden horde. I have read many shares of novels within this genre. Check out Survival Library for a number of good reads. The thing is, when the issue of confrontation with the Golden Horde or variants thereof comes up, there's always a shooting war involved. While a physical confrontation may be a last resort, 
and perhaps unavoidable under some circumstances, one would think that all efforts should be made to avoid the chance of confrontation to begin with. When the bullets start flying, no matter how you look at it, it's life and death probabilities on either side. What if your side takes losses or loses? So, once again, how might this be avoided, misdirected, or redirected? CR from the blog recently commented, quote, SHTF and Raw, the Golden Horde, may in fact be looting and causing general mayhem. Myself, I am hoping people remain civilized for the most part. Looters and angry mobs can become very ugly in short order if unchecked, end quote. I agree with the hoping part, although not actionable itself, and I also agree that angry mobs can and likely will become very ugly quickly. Desperate people will likely do desperate things, especially in their very survival, if their very survival is dependent upon it. If there is any possibility of a golden horde in your area, no matter how large or small the groups themselves, one might consider a plan of action and a backup plan just in case. So how many are in the Golden Horde? Work out scenarios for each of a number of hypothetical group sizes. There will be individuals by themselves. There will be small groups of just a few or several. There may be larger, more organized groups of squad size up to a dozen individuals. There may even be larger platoon size units, say up to 30 or so, and so on. You get the idea. Having said that, my own opinion is this. Initially, as people's supplies run out, there may be individuals and small groups who will forage out in search of supplies for survival. Some will scavenge what they need from what may be naturally available. Some will approach others for help and handouts. Still others will become more desperate, demanding, and forceful. A terrible time indeed where some or many will do whatever they need to do to survive. As time goes on, there will be the ruthless element who will establish their own groups, tribes, gangs. Some of the desperate will join up with the promise of a piece of the pie. They will be a dangerous force for sure. So misdirect and redirect the golden horde. Okay, I've already written 700 words and still have not gotten into how to redirect or misdirect the mob, so let's get into it. First, they will likely and initially prey on the easiest targets especially the individuals and small groups. They will be looking first for easy opportunity. Why? Because no one wants to put themselves into undue danger, even the looters themselves. That said, deterrence will be just that, deterrence. That's what you need. So be invisible. The best deterrent in, the context, in this context is to be invisible. You do not exist. You or your place, no one can see it. That's not to say they won't stumble across it, but if they can't see it from their routes of travel, they won't even know there's an opportunity. Being invisible to the Golden Horde might be literal, out of sight, or figurative, eliminating invitation while in plain sight. Literally out of sight. Ideally, your place is out of sight from primary and even secondary routes of travel. I'm just pointing out that, comparatively, it's probably safer in this regard to be off the beaten path. Not to say, however, that you won't be found, so don't convince yourself that you're safe. For example, I happen to live at the end of a private dirt road completely out of sight from anyone. However, common sense indicates that any road is a clue that something is down there. I'm not fooling myself into thinking that I would not be affected. 
Fortunately, however, I live very far away from population density and in a town less than 1,000, many of whom are living a lifestyle on this side of self-reliance. But that was the plan when searching for this place. But I know that I'm not immune from issues should there be a terrible collapse of infrastructure and distribution. Why? Because I know that most are not adequately prepared for it. I too only have so much to go around from my storage. I can grow a fairly significant amount of food, but we're talking full time and how many will it feed? How many others are going to be able to do that? And so there is an article here when resupply breaks down. So a thought, if you have a garden, is it in sight? If it's summer or fall, people will be ransacking gardens for sure. So minimizing or eliminating invitation. Many or most people live where there are plenty of neighbors, suburbia. Even out in rural areas, many people still have visible neighbors and can be seen from the street. While there may be little or much less you can do to deter a large organized horde rummaging systematically through an area, you might be able to misdirect smaller groups or individuals a bit more easily or at least avoid unintentional invitation. Again, the individual or small groups will be looking for easy opportunity, so make it hard. You might approach this from two different viewpoints. One is that of graying out your abode to duly blend in or to appear non-advantageous. The other is to present threats of force such as they'll move along. Both have their advantages and disadvantages. So, um, yeah, I haven't really commented yet, but one of those things where uh, you might want one of those things you might want to do uh, to uh, cause people to want to move along is if you can get like a, a disease. Uh, you know, like a, an official looking uh, disease uh, poster or, you know, uh, some kind of sign and put it up that might cause people to want to stay, uh, stay away, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, especially if it was a, if the, the collapse was a pandemic, right. Or, uh, you know, the, you know, when like uh, FEMA and you, you saw this like in Katrina, when FEMA would go in or uh, even the military would go in and they would draw that X and they had different, you know, that, that X had different different meanings for different things, right? So it might say that there's, you know, uh, dead bodies in there. They might be that it's evacuated, uh, you know, that it's been cleared, those kinds of things. And so uh, you might, you know, consider doing that. I mean, it would mean uh, using some spray paint on your home or, or things like that. But uh, that's very possible. But I like the idea of, uh, you know, a disease uh, in, in causing people to, to think that it, there is this this uh, you know, bad disease in there and everything is, uh, you know, it's it, it just running rampant in there uh, would be even more so if you could kill some animals and kind of leave them out there. So where they're bloated or they're decaying and kind of freak people out. So uh, <laughs> that's always one that definitely would misdirect, right, uh, people. All right. So uh, blending in, for example, on one hand, you might say that a place that appears to be nondescript or even abandoned, this in itself may be an invitation for lookers who feel they're safe to check it out because of the appearance of no activity. One never knows what one might find there, right? On the other hand, maybe that same place will be overlooked because there are no indicators of value there. How one this, accomplishes this appearance gets into the creative, and there's no guarantee that it will work. Threat of Force 
On one hand, you might say that the appearance of a defensible fortress will likely deter most individuals and small groups. On the other hand, it might certainly signal that there are supplies to be had there. You may be opening yourself up to the possibility of word spreading and maybe even a larger attempt, but maybe not depending on your own region. The right combination. There will be no absolute solution to this dilemma. What may be effective in one area might not in another. I'm of the general opinion that being grayed out and unremarkable is preferred, while at the same time being backed up with a strong defensible position. Plus, a backup plan to bug out even just temporarily if things get out of hand. No sense dying over stuff. You could have caches elsewhere to get you by. There's nothing to see here move along. So noise, don't make it, it will attract. Smells, the aromas of cooking may carry a long way. Smoke, it can be seen and smelled. Wood stove, solar panels, they will be a commodity. Can you see them from the street? Light, at night is quite visible through windows. Supplies in plain view, hide them. Security patrol, you're going to need it. Enough people to do shifts. Night vision device, a game changer and force multiplier. Have a security plan. Adequate hardware. When it hits the fan, and this is an article, when it hits the fan, what have you? What you have will be all there is. So now that I've got this topic going, let's hear some of your specifics. All right, guys. So like I said, uh, there's 162 comments here. So I wanted to give just a couple of uh, just things here, uh, my opinion. I wrote an article uh, not too long ago uh, on Ed That Matters called Creating Myth When the SHTF. And it was along these lines. So if like if you had people that were coming to your home uh, and or, you know, they were coming to your bug out location or they were coming to you for help and uh, you wanted to kind of give them a little something, but to send them along, you know, giving them some uh, a little bit of food that can get them maybe two or three days down the road would be very helpful. But then on the other side of that, letting them know, hey, I know that there is a city you know, this far away that you can get to and uh, they have plenty of help over there. There is a community, blah, 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 and you can go and be a part of it and uh, and eat. And so you would be lying, <laughs> actually, you would be lying, creating myth and, and getting people to move away from you because the, the, the worry that some people might have is that if you give them food and you give them some kind of, uh, you know, help, then they will go and then they will come back. So if your thoughts are that you want to help people when the poop hits the fan, then that might be a way to be able to do it. You give them a little bit of food to get them down the road. But the idea is that they're going to be further down the road when they realize that, uh, you know, hey, you, you know, they can't. It's easier for them to keep going than to turn around. And so, uh, you know, I, of course, I, I put a little bit more into that article than that. But uh, I might link to that here uh, someday Someday soon, or you can go over to Ed that matters and just search for myth, and it'll come up. The other thing that I was thinking of is if you find yourself in a situation where the poop has hit the fan, and you are so close to the road or so close to people being able to find you uh, that you can't cook your food, that would that would suck really really bad, right? So a lot of the times people will say smells will give you away, but 
a lot of our food storage needs to be cooked. I mean, there might be things that you could eat that you can eat cold, but eventually you're going to have to cook. You're going to have to do something. Uh, you're going to have to, you know, burn wood for a wood stove. You're going to have to, uh, you know, uh, maybe, uh, you know, light a fire to purify water. There's so many different things that you you might have to do, and uh, when you if you're worried about smells all the time, that would that would suck. So I remember that James Wesley Rawls in an interview. I can't remember exactly you know who which podcast it was, and it was years ago actually. Said that you want to be on the back roads of the back roads of the back roads, right? And uh, that's where you kind of want to be when the poop hits the fan, or your bug out location, or if you're buying a place. To where you're you're not on a main road where people can pass you by, and so you you know that's a that's a consideration. Now it sucks when you're in a situation like that and you're trying to go to the store because you have to travel. I mean, it might take you 25, 30 minutes to get to a store. Sometimes to get even to a small store, that's not even getting to like a Walmart or anything like that. Uh, you're just talking about a, a small little grocery store uh, in 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 that account. So, uh, you know, that's something to consider. There's some give and take there all the way around. I like the balance approach that he talked about where you're going to do, you know, not look so remarkable, but at the same time uh, that you're going to have a force to be able to back things up uh, if you need to. Um, It's just, you know, that's one of those things is, you know, hey, do you have when you're looking at a retreat, when you're looking at a bug out location, when you're talking about even just bugging out with family or whatever it might be, is there a big enough group to, to do that? Because, you know, being on patrol or having, you know, security shifts, um, you know, you're, there's going to have to be a rotation because uh, there's not anybody that can do it. You know, like a family of four would not be able to survive, would not be able to do that and garden and do some of the things that they that they need to do. So one last thing that I wanted to point out here, I, I like the the thought process, right, where the big people in the big city are not going to be coming out in droves, right? And so you, you, there's not going to be hundreds and thousands of people coming out into the countryside and uh, like grasshoppers devouring everything that's there. So, uh, you know, you, you have that thought, you know, I, I don't believe that that will happen. And we're actually going to read uh, the, the next article is going to kind of touch on that a little bit. But what you might have is you might have bigger cities, uh, but country cities doing that. And so there are, like he, in this article he mentioned, he lives in a city about, uh, of a thousand. And most people want to be, you know, self-reliant, you know, a majority of them. But there are, there are a lot of country towns out there uh, in, in, uh, in rural America that people aren't necessarily living. They might have some rural property, but they might not you know, be living that self-reliant life. So you know, they're used to going to Walmart. They're used to going to grocery stores. They're used to going and getting everything they want, uh, just like you're used to in a city or just like you know, people who are living in suburbia might be. The only difference is they might have to travel a little bit further. Now, what happens when the trucks start, stop rolling for them? Now, they will be going into the countryside, right? And uh, so one of the things that you have to think about is if there's no fuel, they'll run out of fuel very quickly. So that's that's one thing. So they won't have a lot of vehicles, but people will be traveling on the road. And so there there could be, that, that might be a situation that you're thinking that you might have to face if this golden horde type thing 
is uh, it plays out and you live in a city or you live just right outside of a city, um, even if it's a country rural city that, you know, has a population that's not necessarily self-reliant or preparedness minded. So you might have to deal with that. So a uh, good article over here at Modern Survival blog. Again, it's called The Golden Horde Redirecting a Misdirection. And there's a lot of links that you might want to, if this, this topic interests you, there's a lot of links that will go along with this topic so you can get some more uh, some more reading. And But definitely go check out the comments because there's always good stuff here. All right, so uh, that's over at modernsurvivalblog.com. Hey, guys, I wanted to mention just really quick about uh, the fact that I'm going to be on the Preparedness Experience uh, live on Sunday on their Facebook page. And so they have created an event. And so there is a uh, an event and a Facebook post uh, created. I'm going to go ahead and link to that in the, the show notes. And so I'd love for you to be able to come. And so you can go and like their page, their Facebook page. And uh, then I think you you would be alerted whenever they go live. So I'd love to be able that, uh, to have you join me on uh, Sunday, this Sunday at 7 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time. And again, that's over at the Preparedness Experience. I'm going to link to their website and also to that Facebook, to the event uh, directly so that you can go there. All right. Our next article comes to us from TimGamble.com. And this is the actual, the, the opposite of what we just read uh, in, in talking about the Golden Horde, right? And so, uh, you know, I thought it would fall right in line. So we read about the Golden Horde and then read completely opposite about that and read something called post-collapse charity. And so Tim has written this article. And so uh, I want to go ahead and read this one here. So let's go ahead and get started. When it comes to charity in any SHTF post-collapse world, there are two main schools of thought. In this article, I will examine both schools of thought and then give my opinion of how to handle charity post-collapse. Option number one, no charity, take care of your own. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, But if anyone does not provide for his own that is in his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Those of the no charity school point out that there it is a matter of security. You don't want your home or retreat to be overrun by refugees or looters, which is exactly what would happen once word gets out that you have plenty of food and other stuff. Better to act like you are just another one of the starving masses with nothing worth taking. Many of the no charity folks also point out that you really don't have any excess to give out to those in need. In truth, you don't know how long the collapse will be or what your future needs will be. Your first priority must be to your family or group, and you may actually end up needing that excess that you gave away. Option number two is be charitable. Help those in need. 1 Timothy 6.18 says, let them, be, let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. And 1 John 3.17 says, But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? Those of the Be Charitable School point to a multitude of passages where the Bible teaches us, commands us to be charitable and generous towards others, especially those in need, the poor, the homeless, and so forth. Furthermore, they say that being charitable can be done safely without endangering your family or taking an unreasonable risk of running out of food and supplies too soon. This is particularly true if you plan ahead to be charitable and know exactly how much you can give, to whom you will give, and how you will do so. So my thoughts. 
Both schools of thoughts on post-collapse charity make valid points. The Bible does instruct us that we are first and foremost responsible for taking care of our own. The Bible also instructs us that we are to be charitable and generous to others in need, even strangers. It is, in my opinion, a matter of balance. We must strive to rise to God's standards and do both to the best of our ability. But how do we balance the needs of our family with the needs of strangers? This, is, this balance will be made especially difficult in the dire and unpredictable nature of a collapse. Plan ahead for charity. The key is to plan ahead. You won't be able to figure out the best balance after the facts when fear and other emotions will run wild. In my planning, I am not expecting massive hordes from the cities. See my myth of the golden horde article. Most people will die in the cities, waiting and looting and rioting for the government to show up to help them learn helplessness. Or they will die while trying to escape the city. Frankly, I don't expect the vast majority to make it 20 miles out of, out of the city before dying or being killed. A few city folks will make it out, of course, but not the hordes of most preppers' nightmares. For similar reasons, I don't expect far-flung relatives to show up at my door. My cousin and his family who live in Chicago will never make it to my home in North Carolina during a collapse, even if they wanted to come here. Instead, I expect we will be dealing with local folks, friends, neighbors, acquaintances, needing help and maybe the occasional refugee. Those folks can be dangerous since desperate people do desperate things and we should be ready to deal with that danger. However, I think most will simply be pitiful. Ideas for Providing Charity So church-based charity. A church I attended many years ago had a small room where they stored old coats and jackets, blankets, canned and dried food, baby supplies, and other similar things. These were then given to the homeless or other people in need that would show up at the church from time to time asking for help. Your church could do something similar storing supplies that could be distributed to needy folks in an emergency. Worried about the break-ins or looters showing up at the church? Your church could come up with a plan to provide security at the church during a crisis. An added benefit of this is the church would then be able to act as a headquarters and communication hub for the entire congregation or even as a temporary shelter for members. A cash-based charity. An idea I heard recently from Viking Preparedness, Pastor Joe Fox, is to set up a number of caches a couple of miles away from your home or retreat. When refugees show up, give them a map to the cache along with a warning that you have no more supplies to share and will treat them as looters if they show up at your home a second time. With some supplies, your threat, and a couple of miles distance from your home, the refugees will likely continue onward rather than continuing to bother you. Supplies for work. When a neighbor shows up at your place and needing food or other supplies, offer them a job. Split this wood and I'll give you a bag of food. Spend two hours weeding my garden and I'll give you a bottle of aspirin or whatever. There will be lots of projects on your homestead needing to be done. Trading supplies for work will be a benefit to both parties. You might even be able to hire the right refugee or two to work on your homestead and help with security in exchange for room and board. Of course, be careful who you hire, but not all refugees are bad guys. Then give a bag or don't come back. 
Fill up a number of tote bags with some food, a couple of bottles of water, some matches, and a first aid kit, the kind you get at Walmart for a buck in the travel size rack, and maybe even a Gospel of John. When refugees show up, give them a bag with a a warning that you don't have much and will not give them any more under any circumstances. Let them know you're armed and vigilant, and if they come back, you'll be forced to treat them as looters. A final note. Remember, we're talking about helping needy neighbors and true refugees, not gangs of armed thugs trying to take your stuff. You need to have a security plan in place to deal with looters and bandits with extreme prejudice. But neighbors and refugees, you can deal with generously, but firmly. All right, great article over here uh, by Tim over at TimGamble.com. And like I said, uh, a complete you know opposite idea really of you know the, the golden horde and even Ken over at Modern Survival Blog was like hey let's not really talk about the viability of the golden horde but let's this is more of a what if article and so Tim is on the other side of that is like there won't be golden uh, golden hordes coming out but you will be dealing with people that you know uh, you know possibly every once in a while a refugee but mostly uh, friends and neighbors and then you know how do you treat them. Uh, you know, uh, well, uh, but at the same time remaining safe and, and uh, protecting what you have for your family. So good ideas here. You're going to have to come up with uh, your, your plan and your ideas for what, uh, for what you're going to do. You know, there's some, there's some things that we, we talk about in the preparedness community, like, uh, you know, water. There's ways to, you definitely have directions and information and procedures on how to purify and filter water, uh, how to store food for long term, that kind of stuff. In something like this, when you're talking about a post collapse situation where you are trying to uh, be charitable, you know, there's just a lot of thoughts there, and you really have to do what you feel you can. Now, I know there's a lot of people out there that are Christians that are listening, that are believers, and uh, you know, I am one. I have always said it. If you've been listening to me for a little while, you know that I've always said that you know, being a Christian is first. You, you are not uh, a prepper, then a Christian. You're a Christian, then a prepper. And so uh, when the poop hits the fan, whatever that situation looks like, you don't throw your Christianity out the door. You don't throw your uh, your faith out the door. There has been collapse situations. Actually, I was just kind of talking about this uh, in the, on the Facebook Live for uh, for Thursday night. Um, there's been, you know, in Europe where there's been revolutions and there's been, you know, um, the monarchies were, were uh, you know, crushed and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, you have a lot of upheaval, but eventually things come back, uh, settle down, and, and society starts building back up again. So, you know, as, as a Christian, you, uh, you realize that at some point, you know, society could break down and things could happen and spin out of control. But you don't you don't go into you know prepper ninja Chuck Norris mode. Uh, you are a Christian first, and so uh, Christians have experienced collapses all throughout history, and they have weathered them, and they have been very gracious and generous and taking care of people, and uh, and it has been to their blessing. Um, you know, people come to the Lord because of that. Actually, I remember reading, can't remember where, but the early church. One of the ways that they grew was when people would get sick and they had a fever and people were afraid that they would have an infection that was contagious, they would take their family members out to the road and and they would just die right there, you know? And so it's like, we don't want you to infect everybody in the house. So here, uh, here's uh, the, the, you're at the road and quite possibly uh, the, they bring them some food and kind of leave it for them, uh, you know, from far away, but uh, they don't get close to them. 
But the Christians took pity on them and they came and prayed for them and took care of their wounds and uh, took care of them and, and they were healed. And when they were healed, they you know became Christians because of the love and the mercy that they experienced through their Christians. And so, uh, you know, that's why I'm always going back and saying I'm a Christian first and then I'm a prepper. That doesn't mean that I'm a stupid Christian. That doesn't mean that I throw common sense out the, out the, the, the window. That doesn't mean that I put my family in harm and danger because of that. But I am a Christian first. First, my faith is the most important thing, first and foremost, because this world isn't all there is. Uh, this world is temporary, and one day we, uh, you know, we believe that we are going to be uh, up in heaven for all eternity. And uh, so that's where I come from on all of that. So a uh, good article by Tim. I appreciate his article and his views and the scriptures that he put in there uh, on this uh, on this article. And uh, appreciate Ken's article as well. So uh, go definitely check those out. Uh, there'll be, like always, the articles are in the description, in the show notes. And you can link to them very, very easily. And guys, again, don't forget that I'm going to be linking to the preparedness experience, to the website, and also to the Facebook uh, uh, the event that will be this Sunday, 7 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time. So you can come be a part of that and still uh, have time to go check out The Walking Dead. And uh, you, won't, you won't miss that. You'll be good to go on that. So uh, appreciate, uh, appreciate you being with me this week. Another week of podcast in the books. And uh, just, uh, uh, again, like I said, I appreciate all the lis- listenership out there and everybody who's supporting uh, the Prepper Website podcast. Hey guys, remember if you, you know, I don't have a donation set up. I don't have any sponsors. I don't do ads. Although I'm at the point right right now where uh, I could be doing sponsors because, um, you know, the podcast has grown tremendously, but I'm just not doing that yet. Right. And so if you do want to support uh, the Prepper Website podcast and Prepper Website, you can uh, make your Amazon purchases through our Amazon affiliate link. And it doesn't cost you anything, but it does give us a little blessing. So you can go to the prepperwebsitepodcast.com. You can go to edthatmatters.com or you can go to prepperwebsite.com. And anytime you see an Amazon uh, logo or whatever, and uh, you, you can use that link, that logo, uh, that link to get to Amazon. And then whatever you buy, regardless if it's survival or preparedness or, you know, you're buying beauty products, whatever it might be, uh, you know, we get a little percentage of that, a little affiliate money. And, uh, you know, it, it becomes a blessing. And so if everyone's doing a little bit of that, uh, you know, it, it helps out tremendously. And so I do appreciate if you do that. Hey, if you are this, uh, this weekend looking for more preparedness information, don't forget to come over to PrepperWebsite.com. We post articles 24-7 over there, and uh, we always have the best of the best. We also have other uh, pages that you can go and you can get specific information like on conspiracy theories, on, uh, on firearms, uh, on DIY, on alternative news. Uh, just a lot of good stuff of frugal living, a lot of good stuff over there. That's on the in the right hand corner. You'll find that over at prepperwebsite.com. And so I uh, hope you will go check that out. Hey guys, have a great weekend. Hope you enjoy it. Hope you get some time to rest and uh, possibly add to your preparedness and add to your skills. With that, choose to live a more self reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next week, stay prepped and aware. Peace.